it's 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific. But right now at this moment, my definition of a hero is the state of Texas. From coast to coast and around the world. From America Out Loud Talk Radio. I want to express our thanks to Governor Greg Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. It's time for Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. Well, we have made it to Friday. Finally, it is the weekend. The first week of daily shows for The Truth Be Told is in the books with this one. And I want to thank you for finding us here on America Out Loud. And for those of you that take the information and the articles and share it with friends and family and social media posts, a special thank you to you guys. I appreciate it. It's really hard to discern what really is news and what will become just another 24 to 48 hour distraction. In this hour, I'm going to try to go through a couple of stories that we should probably pay attention to. One particular item ties Iran and China together, and I want you to pay attention to it. I'll have a conversation with Scotty Sachs. He's been involved with a trucker convoy that's been heading to Texas all week to the southern border. I've mentioned it a few times, so we'll find out exactly what's going on with that. I really don't know. <laughs> so so we'll have Scotty fill us in on that. Thursday night show ended with me playing a little clip of national security head Jake Sullivan from an interview that I originally watched a couple of months ago. It was late at night. I couldn't sleep. You probably have been there before. I started flipping the channels through the television, and I came across a two-hour question-and-answer time with Jake Sullivan. And, and first, let me say, Jake Sullivan... He's not an idiot. He's not dumb. He's a smart guy. Uh, and I know a lot of you are going to disagree with that statement, and that's fine. I don't think we have to always agree. In fact, I prefer that we do disagree some. But Sullivan started talking about the reasons for the administration, the Biden administration, and America's involvement to be involved with Ukraine and Russia. It's funny, but that conflict has kind of moved to the back burner right now. And many of us will say not one more dime to Ukraine. I'm one of them. When I've said it, it doesn't come from a place of not wanting to help the people of Ukraine or wanting to promote Vladimir Putin, but I come from it more from a standpoint of accountability. Where has all that money gone? I'm not really sure how much money America has actually sent to Zelensky, and I don't think there's one person in this country that can actually answer that question. And you know what? I've got a problem with that. Whether or not you think it's money laundering operation funneling millions back to American politicians or not, I'd like to know exactly where that money went. $120 billion American dollars have gone there. And wouldn't you like to know where it went? We're $34 trillion in debt. America is spending $2 trillion more than it takes in every year. It seems a sensible question. I don't have to fly a Ukraine flag in my bio or be a Putin lover to ask about some accountability from our own government, the country I love. Russia invaded Ukraine February 24, 2022, so that was two years ago. Any idea what Ukraine's annual budget is? You want to take a guess? Well, try about 40 billion US dollars every year. Just 40 billion. That's 40 billion. 
Now, in my feeble little mind, I have to ask, why has the American government given Ukraine three times their annual budget in just two years? America has given them enough money to sustain the entire country for three years, and we've done it in just two. Does anyone else have questions? We see Zelensky's wife spend $40,000 on a shopping spree in Paris. We've heard Zelensky and other Ukrainian officials have bought large mansions around the world. Is it wrong to ask, where did all the money go? I'm an American. I don't have a Ukraine flag in my bio on social media. And I despise Putin. But I'd like some accounting, some transparency, before another $60 billion is sent to Ukraine. But as I'm laying there, sleepless, at 2 a.m. and watching Jake Sullivan, I heard him give the reason why it's so important for America to support Ukraine and why we invest gazillions. And it's the reason you see so many in Congress, both sides of the aisle here, continue to give away your money with no strings attached. You know why? It's China. The PRC represents a greater challenge to the basic elements of an order that have protected our interests and values for a long time because they are looking to adjust that order in ways that benefit the PRC and come at a cost to the United States and our allies. Instability, that kind of conflict in the Indo-Pacific across the Taiwan Strait would have absolutely catastrophic effects for the global economy. And people use the word catastrophic a lot for a lot of things, but we're talking potential Great Depression-level impacts if you actually had that kind of conflict, for one. For another, it would mean tens of millions of people under direct military threat in a, in a place that is trying to have a democracy and to sustain peace and stability. And it would also mean, at that point, further challenges to the overall security architecture of the Indo-Pacific, uh, which directly implicates the interests of our treaty allies. So the entire object of our approach on the issue of Taiwan is to maintain peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait, is to ensure that the hypothetical that you're pointing at, a potential war there, never comes to pass. That's what we are committed to. That is why we are taking the steps we are taking to try to create the deterrence and the diplomatic context necessary to ensure there is not a war over Taiwan. So if we have invested $120 billion to deter China from taking over Taiwan, why was it just a couple of months ago when Biden met Xi that Xi said they would take over Taiwan in time? That just happened a couple of months ago. Biden wants another $60 billion for Ukraine. Democrats and many Republicans will agree. But my question is, why are we throwing money we don't have at something that is inevitable? Especially when we have no clue how the money is being spent. Other than $40,000 shopping sprees and million-dollar mansions. I was wrong about the timing of China I was wrong about the timing of China invading and taking over Taiwan. I remember on social media putting out the post, I put the over-under on that at about June of 2021. But Xi says it's going to happen, and regardless of the money that we give Ukraine, it isn't going to deter them. It's going to happen. 
So if this administration is wrong about that, let's take a look at their Middle East policy of appeasement with Iran. We have dead Americans this week, folks. Three dead Americans. Is it ineptness or is it complicity? Unfortunately, that's what we are left to figure out. Can one administration be so wrong about so much? Impossible, right? It has to be part of the greater scheme or plan. But that's the problem with no accountability. We're left guessing. There's no doubt an incredible comfort level the Biden administration has with Iran. There's been a trust there, maybe too much of a trust, and it actually goes all the way back to Barack Obama and his policies. That policy has been a failure, and it's also made America have a sense of security with regards to the Middle East. Again, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't sleep. I'm watching Jake Sullivan in this Q&A. And the question was posed about the Middle East to him. Now, this Q&A was one week before the Hamas invasion of Israel, where they killed 1,400 Jews. This was September 29th, 2023. Jake Sullivan on the Middle East. The Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Now, challenges remain. Iran's nuclear weapons program the tensions between Israelis and Palestinians. But the amount of time that I have to spend on crisis and conflict in the Middle East today compared to any of my predecessors going back to 9-11 is significantly reduced. Maybe Jake Sullivan should have spent a little bit more time on the Middle East region. So let me ask you again, are they inept or are they complicit? China, China, China. That's what politicians should be saying. In my view, we've been in a silent war with China since the Wuhan lab created a virus that killed millions around the world. We look to the border and see Chinese nationals coming, and we know there are China spies all around the country. If you aren't familiar with the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative that started over a decade ago, look into it, because China has been very successful. China, you see, they do things long-term, they work on 40 and 50 and 100-year plans while we worry about a two-year election cycle. We play political games over the border, vaccines, vacating the speaker, impeachments, and censures. FBI Director Christopher Wray was back on Capitol Hill testifying this week. What did he say about China? We announced an operation where we and our partners identified hundreds of routers that had been taken over by the PRC state-sponsored hacking group known as Volt Typhoon. The Volt Typhoon malware enabled China to hide, among other things, pre-operational reconnaissance and network exploitation against critical infrastructure like our communications, energy, transportation, and water sectors, steps China was taking, in other words, to find and prepare to destroy or degrade the civilian critical infrastructure that keeps us safe and prosperous. And let's be clear, cyber threats to our critical infrastructure represent real-world threats to our physical safety. So, working with our partners, the FBI ran a court-authorized on-network operation to shut down Volt Typhoon and the access it enabled. 
Uh, this operation was an important step, but there's a whole lot more to do, and we need your help to do it. To quantify what we're up against, the PRC has a bigger hacking program than that of every major nation combined. In fact, in fact, if you took every single one of the FBI's cyber agents and intelligence analysts and focused them exclusively on the China threat, China's hackers would still outnumber FBI cyber personnel by at least 50 to 1. So as we sit here, while important budget discussions are underway, I will note that this is a time to be keeping ahead of the threat. Oh, let's stay on China. This was in the news also this week from the Department of Justice. This is the news release. Four Chinese nationals are charged in an indictment in D.C. with various federal crimes related to a years-long conspiracy to unlawfully export and smuggle U.S. origin electronic components from the United States to Iran. These people, it is alleged, unlawfully exported and smuggled U.S. export-controlled items through Hong Kong and China, ultimately for the benefit of entities affiliated with the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, or IRGC, and the Ministry of Defense and Armed Forces Logistics, which supervises Iran's development and production of missiles, weapons, and military aerial equipment to include unmanned aerial vehicles, or UAVs. What's a UAV? It's a drone. What killed three American servicemen in Jordan this week and injured dozens? It was a drone. These Chinese nationals, for more than a decade, orchestrated the scheme to smuggle these parts to Iran. And, according to the incident, this all started as early as 2007. They utilized a number of front companies in China to funnel dual-use U.S. origin items, including electronics and components that could be utilized to build these drones. We have a president who has enriched his family from the Chinese Communist Party. He's been easy on Iran, and those two work together to create weapons that kill thousands of innocent Jews in Israel and attack American interests in the Middle East. And by the way, they killed three American servicemen this week. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Let's stay here on Capitol Hill for a couple of minutes, and let's go to the hearing that was with the Senate. And this had to do with all of the big tech CEOs in Section 230. We've been talking about 230, Section 230. It's been talked about for years, but nothing seems to happen. That's what gives protection to all of these social media and big tech companies, and they can't be sued as a result of it. And a lot of kids have been extorted. And, of course, there's also the cyberbullying that goes on on social media. There's no accountability for these big tech companies. So, again, it is time to have another hearing on Section 230. I know how you feel about Lindsey Graham. I get it. There, he's, there has never been a war that he doesn't love. He loves wars. But... Here's Lindsey Graham in this hearing, and he actually gets to a point where he makes Zuckerberg stand up and apologize to the parents here in attendance. While Washington is certainly broken, there's a ray of hope, and it is here. 
it lies with your children. After years of working on this issue with you and others, I've come to conclude the following. Social media companies, as they are currently designed and operate, are dangerous products. They're destroying lives, threatening democracy itself. These companies must be reined in or the worst is yet to come. To all the victims who came and showed us photos of your loved ones, don't quit. It's working. You're making a difference. Through you, we'll get to where we need to go so other people won't have to show a photo of their family. The damage to your family has been done. Hopefully, we can take your pain and turn it into something positive so nobody else has to hold up a sign. And you can hear some emotion from Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina there. And as he's speaking to Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, the starter of Facebook and Meta, a stupid name, by the way, and also Instagram, he eventually gets to a point where he shames Zuckerberg into standing up, turning around, facing the parents with the signs of their children, and he makes him apologize. Uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, you and the companies before us, I know you don't mean it to be so, but you have blood on your hands. You have a product. You have a product that's killing people. When we had cigarettes killing people, we did some about it, maybe not enough. You're going to talk about guns? We have the ATF. Nothing here. There's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. You can't be sued. Now, Senator Blumenthal and Blackburn, who've been like the dynamic duo here, have found emails from your company where they warned you about this stuff, and you decided not to hire 45 people that could do a better job of policing this. So the bottom line is you can't be sued. You should be. And these emails would be great for punitive damages. But the courtroom's closed to every American abused by all the companies in front of me. Of all the people in America we could give blanket liability protection to, this would be the last group I would pick. It is now time to repeal Section 230. This committee is made up of the ideologically most different people you could find. We've come together through your leadership, Mr. Chairman, to pass five bills to deal with the problem of exploitation of children. I'll talk about them uh, in depth in a little bit. The bottom line is all these bills have met the same fate. They go nowhere. They leave the committee and they die. And so that's how things go in Washington, D.C. We have a problem, but we don't ever seem to really fix it. If you want to know more about Section 230, we're going to get into a segment coming up next on that. We'll have Jason Fick here. He has sued the U.S. government And I'm going to go back to a conversation I had with him not quite a year ago where he gets into great detail about Section 230, so you'll know about that. We are now $34 trillion in debt, $4.7 trillion in new proposed taxes. Biden and his henchmen, they're not going to stop. Now they're hiring thousands of new gun-carrying IRS agents in all 50 states to come get your money. Things could get a whole lot worse for you and your family if you're not protected. That's why I partnered with the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co. Gold Co. is a six-time 5,000 Inc. winner. 
2022 Company of the Year, and they've helped people like you and me place over $2 billion in gold and silver. And right now, they're offering my listeners up to $10,000 in bonus silver while the supplies last. Don't pass up this opportunity. Go to BookerLikesGold.com right now. This is your opportunity to protect you and your family from an out-of-control, corrupt government before it's too late. So don't wait a second longer. Take action now. Go to BookerLikesGold.com. You'll be glad you did. And don't forget, coming up toward the end of this hour, we're going to have Scotty Sachs here. He is one of the founders and one of the planners of that trucker convoy in Texas. It's coming up on February 3rd. More Truth Be Told with Booker Scott in minutes on America Out Loud. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. And don't forget the great nightly lineup here at America Out Loud Talk Radio. Coming up at 7, it is Unleashed, the political news hour. At 8, the national security hour. And then at 9 o'clock, it's After Dark with Robin Andrew. It's on the way. Let's set up this interview, though it's about a year old now. This is Jason Fick, and he has sued the government, taken a case all the way to the Supreme Court over Section 230. He explains Section 230, and then he explains the court battles. And he starts with an easy explanation on what Section 230 is. Okay, so simply it is essentially two protections that the government gave to technology companies. The first is is that they can't be treated as someone else for somebody else's content. right? They can't be held accountable for the substance of somebody else's content if they had nothing to do with it. The second element of it is it does give them limited liability protection to specifically remove what would be considered uh, objectionable content, at least in good faith, right? It's, it, there is a me- measure of motive there. Those are the two things that this law is supposed to do, but that's, of course, not what's happened. And Jason, when we go look at Section 230, we realize that that's what, 27, eight years ago when they started Section 230, the internet has changed a lot since then. Has Should the law be changed? Should it be abolished? Well, see, there's a lot of different arguments when it comes to that, but my opinion is is that it doesn't need to be abolished. Obviously, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the, the Constitution, right? It's a document that's, what, 250 years old? Well, 
the Constitution still holds because the principles are still foundational. That's really what Section 230 should have been, a foundational, the two elements that I said in the very beginning here, which is they should not be treated as someone else and that they should have some ability you know, to remove content that is in good faith really bad, right, without facing liability. Uh, it's not a necessary protection because in reality, if they remove bad stuff, nobody would hold them accountable anyhow. There still has to be what's called a cause of action. They still have to break the law. But that's not really what's going on. So saying to just abolish it, well, we still don't want a, a company to be held accountable for what somebody else did, right? I mean, that makes all the sense in the world, right? Fundamentally. Sure. But what's happened with the courts is, and I'm I'm kind of oversimplifying, we we've we've located why it happened. But essentially, the courts have, have essentially interpreted it that they themselves can't be treated as themselves. Well, now think about that. If you can't be treated as yourself and you can engage in any type of publishing, right, in a secondary capacity, not, not the original publisher, but a second one, that means you could do anything you want, right? And they are. Because you just can't be – exactly. <laughs> and that is what we're saying is it that's that doesn't make any logical sense. And that's because they have conflated the publisher or speaker, which is another content provider, with a publisher or speaker, which could be any provider or user. And that that's one of those situations where we have to go by what's called the letter of the law, right? The Supreme Court has told all – everybody, we have to give every term meaning and to avoid duplications whenever possible. So our argument this entire time has been – do what the text says. Do what the law says. So think about that. Are we going to need to remove the law? Because the law says what it says. It's not the it's not the law's fault. It's the court's application outside of what it says. I mean, they're not legislatures, and they shouldn't be legislating from the bench. Jason, when did you start this process uh, suing the United States government? Uh, probably when some people were children. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, in truth, Facebook has messed with me since 2014 really, really badly. 2018, we sued Facebook. We took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and we said the 230C1, which is that first element, does not protect the conduct of the content – or excuse me, of, of the interactive computer service provider, the, the, the Facebook. Facebooks, Googles, yeah. and Twitters. Mm -hmm. Right, right. So if it doesn't protect their conduct, we said that since day one, and we said their conduct was illegal, was anti-competitive. Well, the court came along and said, well, you can't treat them as Facebook. Well, we took that case all the way to Supreme Court. Supreme Court denied us. So then another case comes along, this case called Enigma versus Mauerbytes, and they said, well, wait a second. Anti-competitive blocking is not allowed under the Good Samaritan general provision. Now, most people have never even heard about that part. Never, never. I haven't. Right. Because it's like the actual title of this is called Protection for Good Samaritan Blocking and Screening of Offensive Materials. That's the general provision. They're supposed to be good Samaritans, right? Well, that's the overall motivation to the entire statute. They're supposed to be the good guy, but they weren't. And we went back to the, ninth, to the Northern District of California a second time. So most people don't do that. And we said, wait a second, this conflicts with if you can't be treated as a publisher and there's no measure motive and you can do anything you want, why is it you can't do anti-competitive stuff because it violates the general provision? 
then the 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 courts did the craziest thing I've ever seen. They split C1 and C2 into almost separate statutes. Instead of fixing it, they completely botched it. And we took that back up to the, to the Ninth Circuit. We said, wait a second, this doesn't even make sense. Either the general provision applies generally, meaning the whole statute, mm-hmm. you have to be a good guy, or it's wrong. Well, you know what the Ninth Circuit did? They said, oh, you didn't file timely enough and dismissed. They hit me on procedural. They yeah. didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Right? Not surprising. Course, Not surprising in the exactly. Ninth Circuit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're seeing that a lot of the with this with the judiciary is they don't actually want to do this stuff. They just want to, you know, kind of stick it to us. And well, we went back to the Supreme Court a second time and we said, look, we've now narrowed this down to conduct versus content. Right. This we're not. I never was holding Facebook accountable for the substance of my own content. That makes no sense. I was holding them accountable for their conduct in removing my page and soliciting a new owner, restoring the page for that owner, and and basically acting in an anti-competitive manner. Well, we couldn't get anybody to listen to us, but yet, even though we were just denied by the United States Supreme Court, do you know that the Department of Justice is arguing and even suing Google under an antitrust right now? The same thing we sued for. Are they making the same argument? Basically, the only difference being is is that they use the Sherman Act, which is a federal level, and we used unfair competition, tortious interference, fraud, and extortion under a state level charge. Same thing. If the Department of Justice has success, what what could that mean for you and your efforts against Facebook? It means once again we were right. We've been right since day one, like absolutely one hundred percent right. Now the DOJ is saying the same thing as we are. Uh, Ted Cruz and his amicus, there was a case called Gonzalez versus Google that went to the oral arguments, right, mm-hmm. in the Supreme Court. They wrestled with these very questions. The only difference is they wrestled with them. We resolved them. We literally showed where it went wrong. And and uh, even uh, General uh, was it uh, Attorney General Paxton and his amicus and said the Texas, same thing. Yeah. Exactly. That 230C1 does not protect conduct. That right there is the fix. If they recognize that 230C1 does not protect publishing conduct, it's when they're not involved in the conduct at all. They're just the, – the content's there. Somebody else put it there. Somebody else created it. Somebody else developed it. All those things were done by someone else. Then they get protection. That's it. So we don't know what they're going to do. But see, here's the thing is, is that we didn't just stop there. Because what most people don't recognize, and, and let me ask you a simple question. If your content is destroyed, right, removed, mm-hmm. restricted, your pages are gone and so forth, are they, in fact, damaging your property? Tough question. It's a t- well, I've, I've had that happen to me, you know, obviously on Twitter. Right. I, it has right. happened. So, so I, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, that's a tough well, question. Well, let me ask you this. Me. Let me ask you this. If somebody, if a landlord has a rental property and you come out and you um, put your rental uh, whatever camper on it, right? Are they allowed to come out and smash the windows and and trash it because you're not paying the rent? No, no. There's a process, uh, right? There's a process, right? They can remove it in good faith if you go through the process. But the thing is, is that if they smash your vehicle, right? Just because it's their property, does that destroy your property? Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So if you have your property, your intellectual property. Your words, your speech, your your content, your business, your everything on their property, that does not give them the authority to smash and destroy your property. 
There's a maxim of law that says no one should operate their business to the detriment of another. So, yes, they can run their business, but just like you can't walk into McDonald's and rob somebody at the cashier's because you happen to own the McDonald's. It makes no sense at all, right? Well, that's what we're doing here is they destroyed my property. They took my stuff away from me. They denied me of my liberty. And and think about it. If they deny me of my life, liberty, or property, what am I entitled to? Yeah. By the Constitution of the United States, what am I entitled to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should due, have remedy. Due process. Yes, correct. And a remedy. Bingo. Yeah. Remedy. Now, remedy is where the courts have completely failed. They did not give me a single day in court. No willer arguments. They flat out denied me of all remedy having had my property taken. Now, this is where it gets even more interesting. If the government designs a statute that is a regulatory statute that allows someone to take your property or deny you of your life, liberty, or property in any way, they call that a regulatory illegal taking. It means that the law is allowing, meaning the government is protecting them from taking my property and my liberty away from me. Well, now we got a problem. We've got a due process issue. So what do we do? We filed a case, what's called a constitutional challenge or declaratory action, suing the law itself. We are physically suing Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now, the, the government, of course, defends it, so the United States would become the defendant, and the Department of Justice defends it. Ironically, the Department of Justice agrees that as applied, this thing is wrong. So what do the Department of Justice do instead of trying to help us fix this thing? Oh, no. They try to dismiss us saying that we don't have article standing. But let me ask you a real, real simple question here. Did Facebook or Google or Twitter write Section 230? I would think Did not. they write no. the law? No, absolutely well, they, not. <laughs> although nowadays it's one of those, maybe, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I, I hesitate. But no. <laughs> No, but the point is, no, the legislature wrote it, right? And Facebook, in my case, didn't dismiss itself, did it? Who did that? Uh, the, the courts. The courts did, yeah. Exactly. So I sued Facebook for what Facebook did to me. It was the courts and the law itself that denied me of my remedy. So they said I don't have Article Three standing, yet it is the government that essentially immunized this company for taking my life, liberty, or property. Obviously not my life. But in this case, they did take my property. The fact that I was denied of all remedy, never given a day in court, I have Article Three standing against them. And and of course, what are we looking at in the United States? Uh, it was the Washington D District Court, uh, D.C. District Court. We have been waiting for a motion to dismiss answer for a year now. They're just sitting on it. It's like. This isn't even complicated. It's it, you know what I just explained to you is the entire argument of Article Three standing. The government harmed me, not Facebook. What Facebook did, I sued Facebook for. What the government did to me, I'm now suing the government for. Okay, I understand. So yeah. we're going after the entire law. We're trying to force them to do something, and of course, the Supreme Court's over here pointing to the legislature. The legislature's supposed to fix it. How do you fix something that's not broke? You know, it's, it's come to censorship with these social media companies and Google big tech uh, against all of us as Americans. But what exactly is the remedy? Well, if we want to look at it at, from the micro or the macro, from the micro, if the courts apply the statute as written, that the, the general provision motivation, the Good Samaritan applies at the threshold. Were they a Good Samaritan? 
If they could argue that they were a good Samaritan, you go to the next step. The question is, are you treating them as someone else? If that answer is no, C1 doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't protect their conduct. They have to sort that out, right? That's what's called an as-applied challenge because as applied, it's applied incorrectly. And then the second part is then C2 actually comes into play where they have to actually add uh, act in good faith um, to remove specifically the objectionable content. I, I believe that that part is unconstitutional, whether it's severable is something that we're arguing in the Supreme Court or not in the Supreme Court, excuse me, in the case against the United States. But if they fix that, the internet would survive. It would go on. Of course, you know, there's the sky is falling big tech people because they're like, yeah, because we're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah, because you shouldn't have had it in the first place. Right. You've wiped out all your competition under the protection of the government while the government is, is literally instructing them what to do. It's bizarre. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. And you're back here on The Truth Be Told on America Out Loud Talk Radio. While you're here, make sure you go to the shop at americaoutloud.news. Use that promo code OUTLOUD for a 25% discount. I'm Booker Scott. Going to be joined now by a guy who can fill us in a little bit on this trucker convoy that's been going across the country that I guess culminates February 3rd, Saturday, we're going to get some more information about that. I haven't been honestly keeping up with it. I've mentioned it a few times this week, but now we're going to find out all about it. His name is Scotty Sachs, a similar background to mine in that he's been in the media industry for a long time, a little bit longer than I am. I think he may be older. I don't want to have to get into that with him. <laughs> <laughs> and he also has some intimate details of some conversations that I think you'll find interesting with both Johnny Cash and Peter Jennings. So welcome now to the program, Scotty Sachs. Scotty, welcome. Booker, thanks for having me. A couple of old radio guys sitting around. Yeah. Shooting the ball today. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, did you, I, I think the Sovereign Radio, let's get that out there and promote that and let everybody know about that. It's Sovereign Radio. The flagship station for that is actually in Texas, 1470 
K-Y-Y-W in Texas. And I had a hard time saying K-Y-Y-W. My entire career was on the east side of the Mississippi. And for those of you listening that don't know, radio stations on the east side of Mississippi are W's, on the west side are K, and I've never had to say K-Y-Y-W. But Scotty, go ahead. I, I relate to that. I grew up in Chicago. Everything was W. <laughs> W-L-S, W-G-N, you yeah. know, uh, they were all W's. And yeah. when I got into the media business in uh, 81, I'm like, what? Are, what is with the K's? Uh, that's an oxymoron. But uh, you said it right. It's uh, east versus west. Uh, the uh, I don't know why the FCC did things this way. But, yeah, Sovereign Radio Booker started uh, in 2020. Um I was doing business, uh, my core business is media management, and I was doing business with a company called Town Square Radio. They own sure. 300 stations in smaller markets in uh, across the country. And after negotiating media deals, I'd sit around with the sales execs and shoot the bull. And I was telling them things about the Federal Reserve System, about the education system, about the medical system, the Rockefeller-funded medical system and, and all the ills of, of our systems, you know, the systems we're living sure. in today were created by the globalist cabal. So they were very interested in this. And when the pan planned, I called it the pandemic throughout the duration of the pandemic. I referred to it as the pandemic. They, they said not, we're going to turn the mic on and we're, we're going to give you a show. I said, I haven't been on radio in years. I yeah. have no interest in going back on. They said, come on, just do a show. See how it goes. Well, they got great feedback, and here I am four years later. Uh, we've just got picked up for syndication, which means we'll we'll be placed, as you understand the business, you know sure. what that means. We're, they're going to try to place us in stations uh, around the country, and the goal is 200 markets. So anyway, started the show in 2000 um, and 20, right in the midst of the pandemic, and started to expose Bill Gates and uh, Fraud Fauci and the, the whole plan, the globalist agenda, agenda 2030 and their depopulation plan. And, uh, the show just caught on because I talk about things. The mainstream media will talk about As I like to say, I'm broadcasting from the belly of the beast yeah. of mainstream media. And, um, you know, it, it really, when you look at the world today, Booker, it's hard to explain to family and friends who haven't done their homework and haven't, uh, who are living in the matrix, uh, why the world is the way it is. But uh, I'd like to share a couple of anecdotes you sure, alluded please. to in the introduction. Please so do. it, they really kind of, uh, frame up the world and why we're, where we're at. So first story I'll tell is about Peter Jennings. I, 1989, I went to a WLS ABC. It was ABC television's affiliate in Chicago. They have these fall previews where they present their fall, their new program to the ad community. I got invited to all those parties because I um, was managing advertising and sponsorship for brands back then. And uh, I got to the event late. There was only one seat left in the room. One table was empty. The rest of the tables were full. And the guy sitting at the table where there was a seat was Peter Jennings. And uh, I sat down and realized who I was sitting with and started to have a conversation with him. Long story short, along the way of asking him about my grandfather, who hated the man, said he was an anti-Semitic Jew hater. My grandfather escaped the Holocaust, a concentration camp. And he said, Peter Jennings is a great news guy. He just doesn't like Jews. So I said, Peter, is there any truth to what my grandfather said? 
And he laughed. He said, you know, your grandfather's a pretty perceptive guy. He said, I don't, I have nothing against the Jewish people. He said, I'm not a Jew hater. I'm not an anti-Semite. But when I was a rookie reporter, I didn't get a hotel room. I got a host family. My host family was a Palestinian Arabic family. And I broke bread with them for 18 months. And I suffered a human emotion called sympathy. I sympathized with them. My, my, my inclination is to lean toward the Palestinian Arabic side of this conflict. He said, I've always been that way since I lived with this family. He said, but it doesn't matter, Scotty, what I say on TV. I said, what do you mean? It doesn't matter what you say. You're Peter Jennings. You're the most watched news guy in the world. He said, it doesn't matter because everything you see and hear on television is a media construct and a narrative to fit an agenda. I asked him to repeat it. He said it again. Everything you say and hear on TV is a media construct and a narrative. By the way, he was five drinks in. So I happened to loose. notice he was he was very <laughs> loose. And it was just he. One, I mean, what a blessing. I got there late. There was nowhere to sit. And the table was supposed to be reserved, but there was the only seat in the house was next to this guy. So we got talking, and he spilled the beans. And now hold on to that thought. We're living sure. in a matrix where everything is controlled, the message, the narrative. I don't have to explain it to your audience probably understands this very well. Um, some few years later doing business with Johnny cash, we were placing a show for Johnny syndicating a show called Johnny cash, American folklore was Johnny strumming his guitar and telling stories about his travels through America. If Johnny cash was alive today, he'd be at the front of this convoy on Saturday. He was a great American Patriot, loved the country and this whole radio show that I worked on was about him telling stories about Americana, just strumming yeah. his guitar and telling stories. So anyway, after we cleared a couple hundred stations, his record label called and said, uh-uh-uh, you guys don't own that music. We do. Johnny doesn't own the music. The record label does. So you can't air that radio show. Well, we were already on 200 stations. Kind of hard to call our affiliates and tell them, uh, we can't hear the show. We don't have the rights to the music. So Johnny put me on a plane. He wouldn't talk to his record label. I thought that was interesting. He would not meet with his record label. He asked me to go do the meeting and work out a deal with him. So I did. When I came back, he and his wife, um, uh, he was doing a concert that night. I was sitting with his wife in the green room. She was thanking me for the work I had just done. And uh, I said, June, are you kidding me? I'm 29 years old. I'm working with Johnny Cash. He's introducing me to people like Kenny Rogers and others that I can do business with. So I'm going to thank you. You don't need to thank me. She said, Scotty, you don't understand something. Johnny won't do business with the media and the music industry anymore. That's why he hired you. He will not deal with them. I said, hmm, interesting. Why? Why won't Johnny deal with them? She said, because the media and the music industry are elusive, fairy, and cult. They're satanic people. I asked her to repeat that again to make sure I understood <laughs> it correctly. She said, they're luciferian cult. Their behavior is satanic. They do satanic rituals and, and really bizarre things. So over the next couple of days, I was hanging out with Johnny uh, on tour, and I asked him to expand on it. He did not like to talk about these things. He simply told me, I will not go to parties. I do not do business with them. He said, if it wasn't for you and my business manager, we'd never get the show off the ground. I'd probably just be 
touring, doing my concerts and um, calling it a day because I can't, I can't interact with these people anymore. He said the things they do and what they're all about. He said, indeed, my wife is correct or they're satanic cult. And so if you put those two things together, is it any wonder where we're at in 2024? We have been hosed uh, by the mainstream media since the 50s. We know about Operation Mockingbird and how they infiltrated with the CIA, their intelligence agencies, and controlled the narrative. We've been trustworthy of our media. I know I grew up in a home where uh, a father or grandfather, they trusted the news. They trusted Walter Cronkite. They trusted Peter Jennings. Uh, and we relied on this mainstream media as a source of information. We thought they were the fifth pillar, right? We thought yeah. they were protecting us. But in fact, they were part of the globalist agenda all along and uh, created this matrix we live in. And when you consider the matrix is run by Luciferians, it's a pretty bad situation we've put ourselves in. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a complex problem we have on our hands and not an easy solution, but I think we're on the right track. And I think what we're doing with this trucker convoy is just, you know, one little win. And if we put a lot of little wins together, Booker, we can take our country back has to be done on a local level. That's why we're doing these events. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it has to be done uh, in our backyard, the school boards, the County boards and Amen. the city halls. We can take those all back. You're speaking my language there. And, you know, uh, you were a young person when those events happened to you with both Peter Jennings and Johnny Cash. And obviously it really affected your life at a, an impression, impressionable age. And so here you are all these years later. I've mentioned you're probably a little bit older than me. Uh, you don't I'm have 64, to 64, by the way. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I got it out of you. Um, yeah. Tell you us, get us to this convoy because uh, we see a lot about it. I've talked about it a little bit, but honestly, I don't know much about it. Tell us about it. So there's six of us planning the event. Um, three of us knew each other. Uh, through one of us, we brought in three more people. So we've had six people working together for five weeks now, seven nights a week to plan this event. The Take Your Border Back Southern uh, Border Convoy is about standing up exercising our first amendment rights to peacefully assemble. Yes. But a lot of, been a lot of discussion around this event. We'll come back to, there has been some subversion and some infiltration from outsiders uh, who in fact want to make it look like another J six event. They want to make it look like there's an insurrectionist. Yeah. I was we, worried about we, that. Yeah. We've been called uh Christo, Christo fascists, white nationalists. We've been called every name, but so what we decided to do was look, we, along the lines of thinking that we've got to do it on a local level, since we lived, the six of us lived primarily uh, near the border in San Diego, San Ysidro, uh, in Arizona, near Yuma, and in Texas, we're actually going to a little town called Kimado. Two of those three locations, Texas and Arizona, are on private property. We are not going to the border. We were holding these rallies near the border on private property. San Ysidro, uh, California, is at a public park. We are working with local law enforcement in all three locations. We have got the support of the sheriff and the local law enforcement. We have security. I'm covering this first because uh, this is a message to those that 
thought of infiltrating and subverting this event. Not going to work, guys. We have the best security I've ever seen for an event of this kind. Uh, we have a security manager. His name is Mark Anthony. Uh, all of our names are on the website. We've been very transparent. Um, we're transparent with the financials. We've based on what Justin Trudeau did with the Canadian yeah. truckers. You can't forget about he, that. Yeah. He froze their bank accounts, right? Yeah. We put the money in the trust. We got went to a lawyer who does trust. He's a patriot. He said, "I'll do your trust." We did a trust for each of the three convoys in the three cities. So if they do try to freeze the funds, the public these are public monies. We're going to completely account for. None of us are taking a dime. This is about putting on these events and gasoline and stages and sound equipment and the entertainers cost money. So we needed money to do this, and um, we have been very successful. I thought we'd raise about thirty grand. I think we're up to one hundred fifty-four thousand dollars. So thanks to all the patriots that have donated can be able to make this event uh, very worthwhile. Basically, the premise was we have a national security threat. Why are we doing this? We truly are on the precipice of uh, some serious terrorist attacks that a result of these men, military-age men that have come across the border yep. in the tens of thousands, they're being paid, they're being given cell phones, they're being housed, and uh, what is it that the globalists want in return from these men? Well, they want their vote, right? They want their vote from these immigrants. Um, and uh, the, the, the unfortunate reality is if there's an estimate, estimated 12 million of them in the three years the borders have been open, uh, Tom Homan, Trump's borders are, yeah, great guy. Told, me, told me a couple weeks ago, he believes there's 12 to 14 million immigrants that have come in. When you look at who these people are, let's give it the benefit of the doubt that 99% are good people and came here for the reasons my grandfather immigrated. You're probably somebody in your family immigrated, right? Absolutely. Your great grandparents, yeah. right? And we came here for, they came here for a better life for the American dream. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt that our government's bringing in good people. 1% of 14 million, uh, I think the math on that's 140,000, uh, if I'm not correct, or is it one? No. Uh, yeah, it is 140. So we have tens of thousands of military age men. I'm sure you've seen some videos. I'm sure your audience yeah. has all seen videos of these men coming in hundreds at a time. They're from 160 different countries. We believe some of them are trained from the Middle East terrorists. Some of them are Chinese uh, military men, and they plan to use them. We have good intel that says they plan to use these guys the way they used Antifa and BLM in 2020 to burn cities down. Only this time it'll be much more deadly. The, the potential for attacks on American soil has never been greater than it is right now and attacks from within because these people are now here. They're not coming over during a wartime from another country, which we've never had in our, right? America's history, has there ever been a war other than the Civil War? We've never been invaded before, have we? No. Not that I know of, no. So we're now, for the first time in American history, we have this invasion, uh, and it's a planned one. It's not random, uh, ad hoc, oh, a bunch of people got together in countries all over the world and said, let's go to America. 
very orchestrated. We have uh, this infiltration and uh, we have these men that are capable of uh, major, major damage to our, uh, our American people. Additionally, the human trafficking element is greater than it's ever been before. America is now the number one country for human trafficking. Uh, Victor Avila, former U.S. Customs Border ICE guy, had him on Sovereign Radio several times. He believes it's a $185 billion business in America alone. We are the leading country of importing children and trafficking children for the sexual pleasure of sick people. And we also now have a major fentanyl problem, right? Fentanyl is killing more Americans than ever before. Well, why is that? Because there's nobody protecting our borders from the fentanyl coming in. Uh, Victor Avila explains it like this. He says, there's no border patrol working the borders the way they're supposed to. The uh, border patrol and the local law enforcement have laid down their arms, so to speak, are turning a blind eye. So we the people are stepping in on Saturday to show support for uh, the, the, the right kind of border control that Trump did it right. Trump closed the borders, right? He, he best, I think this country is probably safer in the Trump years than I can remember. Uh, although the interesting thing from Carter on, we had a pretty safe border. Yeah. Uh, even, even Obama, uh, during his years, border patrol was enforcing our borders. Yeah. It was pretty quiet. They, yeah. They were not open like this. So, you know, why is, did, did Joe Biden say, I'm going to open the borders? Well, he may have been the mouthpiece for that narrative, but we know he's not running. Yeah, he had, he had no idea why he said he, it. Yeah, <laughs> he just right. he just says things. And and who is that for real? That guy yeah. playing Joe Biden. I want. I often wonder who that really is. But that's a whole nother. We can talk a whole show about. Yeah, that, yeah, right? we, and we'll have to do it sometime. You're listening yeah. to Scotty Sachs Sovereign Radio. He's one of the planners. There's six of them for that trucker convoy. I've talked about it all week. I didn't know what I was saying or talking about, but he cleared it up for us. Scotty, thanks a lot for joining us here. Booker, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. I'll have to have you on Sovereign Radio soon. I would love to do it. All right. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. And good luck to all the truckers involved with the convoy and everyone else that happens to be going to that on February 3rd. Don't forget the great programs that we have here on America Out Loud Talk Radio on the weekend, like Viewpoint this Sunday with Malcolm. You can catch that Sunday morning and a replay at 6 o'clock Sunday night. I'm Booker Scott, and you know you were told 2,000 years ago that you are the salt of the earth. Salt without flavor is useless. So keep being salty. Have a great weekend. There is only one truth. You've been listening to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott on America Out Loud. America Out Loud.